Today on The Journey with Steve DeWitt, a lesson on our liability to the truth. We are accountable for the rejection of the light that God brings to us. And he judges us on a curve based upon the privilege of light exposure. You are in the category of highest accountability to God because you've heard and seen the light of the gospel. Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is required. This principle not only refers to material blessings, but also to the reception of truth and salvation. Today on The Journey, Pastor Steve DeWitt explains that an understanding of God's truth and salvation comes with the weighty responsibility to receive it. It's the second part of a challenging message called More Light, More Liability. It's from the Upper Room series. Available online at thejourney.fm. If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 15 as Pastor Steve begins today's lesson. Now, our focus today is on the end of chapter 15. Jesus says that there are two aspects of his ministry that increases the guilt and the accountability for those who heard what he said and saw what he did. And those two things are what he spoke, verse 22, and what he did, the works that no one else did, verse 24. In other words, miracles. So Jesus says, because you heard what I said and you saw what I did to reject me, they are, quote, guilty of sin. To personally hear the very words of Jesus audibly and with your own eyes to see the miracles of Jesus, it heightens the responsibility to reject him. Now, what is this saying, okay? What this is saying is this, is that the greater the light, this is the title of my sermon, the more the light, the more the liability. Now, by light here, I mean exposure to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The more that I hear, the more that I know and understand, the greater the guilt then for rejecting the light of Jesus. Now, he highlights two things here, and the first is what he said. Those that walked with Jesus, and even the Pharisees who hung around to uh, criticize him, were personally hearing the audible revelation of the Son of God. Some received it, some did not. Similarly, to be in the room where it happened or to be in the field where it happened and to see with your own eyes the blind person now seeing and the deaf person now hearing and the storm being silenced and the, 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 the bread being multiplied and the dead in the grave coming out alive, to personally see those kinds of displays of the power of God and then to reject it heightens the accountability and it heightens the guilt before God. The Bible teaches that there are degrees of punishment in hell. Now, when I say that, this isn't levels of hell like Dante's Inferno. And this is not purgatory, as some ancient churches still erroneously teach. It is simply this, that God is fair. 
And God judges and punishes on a curve. Here's what I am saying, that God evaluates and punishes in hell by proration. And he doesn't compare us to other sinners. The grade is based upon how much light of revelation we received in this life and therefore how much we rejected. But those that know and understand and hear and still reject is the greatest accountability and responsibility. Did we hear, believe, and follow Jesus or did we hear, reject, and go our own way? The more the light, the more the liability. The more you are privileged to see and to hear, the greater your accountability. But where does this awareness come from? And the Bible says that one of the powerful means of our awareness is the created world around us, okay? That creation, the Bible says, is sufficient light of who God is that we are all accountable to God. Now think of this, that God has so created the world and so wired us as human beings that the creation communicates to image bearers what our creator is like and an ability for us to discern spiritual truth from the created world around us. We know the heavens declare the glory of God. Isaiah 6, the whole earth is full of his glory. And theologians call creation general revelation. And it's general because it's just like, it's like a revelation in mass, okay? The whole thing is telling us what God is like. And all humanity experiences that. Now, some people experience it in Indiana. Some of you are experiencing it in Florida. I think they're more accountable for Florida than we are in Indiana. So beautiful this time of year, but I wouldn't trade June or August, but I'm, side note. Uh, sin has distorted this understanding who God is mechanism inside of us. Like it got, you know, the, the flux capacitor was broken. And we no longer as clearly as we could have see and understand who God is in the created order around us. In fact, Romans 1 says it's so broken that we think the, cre the created things are God. We worship the created things rather than the creator. That's how broken this thing inside of us is. We suppress the truth. So the unbeliever lives in this beautiful, majestic world reflecting the glory of God, but doesn't connect the dots between the, the, the beautiful sunset and the creator who made the sunset. We suppress the truth. It reminds me of the old saying about Dutchmen. And since I'm one, I can say this, that a Dutchman convinced against his will is of his opinion still. And despite God shouting every day through the created order, the unbeliever refuses and maybe it's not even a conscious, like, I'm refusing. There is this sinful thing keeping them from seeing and understanding and, and discerning through creation. Yet, 
We are all accountable to God because all of us have received light, light of revelation through the created world around us. Theologians also talk about the noetic effect of the fall. Noetic is mind, that our minds can't see. Adam and Eve walked around, they experienced the created beautiful Garden of Eden, and all of it was offering praise to God. But because of the noetic effect of sin and the fall, we no longer do that. We are blind to what is plainly in front of us. So when it comes to then creation, there is enough light in creation to condemn us, but there's not enough to save us, okay? There's enough to condemn us, but there's not enough to save us. God continues to bless the created order and to bless human beings, his benevolent love for his creation. He causes the rain to come and he nourishes the earth and there's food for us to eat and oxygen for us to breathe. All of this is from his benevolent love, and he continues to have a benevolent care for humanity. You can think about uh, Jonah at Nineveh as another example of that. This blesses sinners, but it doesn't save us. It doesn't ultimately save us. For us to be saved, we need what, again, the theologians call special revelation. We need a different kind of light. We need the gospel. Because the gospel tells us about a savior who died for our sins in a way that the sunset and the mountain range can't do it. We need the gospel. This is part of tied to our mission Sunday last week. You know, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good and preach good news this is why we, we go to share the gospel because without the gospel of Jesus, nobody is saved. A sunset doesn't save us, but praise God, the gospel does. Praise God, the gospel does. And if you're here as a Christian today, it means that, yeah, you enjoyed the chocolate and you enjoyed Florida, but somewhere along the line, you got special revelation of the gospel that you did not reject. You received it. You believed it. You were saved. Indeed, the gospel of Jesus is the greatest light. And by light, again, I'm talking about spiritual truth that a human being can see or hear and receive. Now, right now, we don't realize the blessedness of this. But one second after you're dead, Christian, you're gonna realize that of all the things that you experienced in this life, all the goodness of God in this life, the privilege of hearing the gospel of Jesus when there are billions of human beings that have lived already and will live from today, that never had the opportunity to hear that there is a creator who has a son who came, became one of us, died in our place, and that all who repent of their sins and trust in him will be forgiven forever and given the gift of eternal life, that you, by the grace of God, are not the aborigine or the Eskimo or the whoever who didn't hear it, you, Christian heard the gospel, the only gospel that saves, and that is wonderful, but it also comes with great accountability, and that is what we see in verse 24. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. The greater the light, the greater the liability. We are accountable for the rejection 
of the light that God brings to us. And he judges us on a curve based upon the privilege of light exposure. So while still punished in hell, the less gospel revelation someone knew, the less severe the punishment. But the other side of this is terrifying. The more we were privileged to hear and understand, the greater the sin of unbelief. So the Eskimo or whoever you want to pick who never heard the gospel, never had the opportunity to hear the gospel, are punished less than somebody who had full knowledge of Jesus. And you, by being in this one service, I have shared light with you that you are accountable to God forever for what you do with it. And that's the terrifying side of this moment we're having. Because I know full well the chances of 100% of this room receiving Christ, zero. Not going to happen. There are people in this room who are not going to heaven, but now are accountable for the light that just this one service that you have heard that billions never had the privilege to hear. I drew a quick graph. It's not perfect, but give you an idea of how this works. You see in the graph that how the accountability goes up. In general revelation, we're without excuse, Romans 1. But when you hear the gospel, when you're in the context, when, when, when grandma is taking you to Sunday school and praying over you and talking to you about Jesus, from that moment on, the accountability skyrockets before God. Now, to give some helpful, since what I'm talking about here is degrees of punishment in hell, to give you some of the criteria, very helpful article available on the Gospel Coalition website, give some of these criteria, I agree with these, so quickly to walk through these, what are the criteria? Number one, the extent to which someone has abandoned themselves to sin. The greater the sin before God, the greater the accountability. And correspondingly, the greater the punishment. Okay, Remember, God is fair. So we always you know, pick on Hitler. But just to think about Hitler as a human being and what he did in his life. Hitler, I believe, is having greater punishment than the nice, sweet, unbelieving woman who made you cookies next door growing up who lived a moral life, but not a life, uh, you know, not a, not a perfectly righteous life. In other words, there's, there's degrees based upon how much we sinned against God. Secondly, the extent to which someone by example or influence has led others to sin. This is also a scary thing. It's not just what we do, it's the effect of what we do. Remember what Jesus said, he said about uh, children, you cause one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better if you had a millstone hung around your neck and you were cast in the sea than to have your life influence one of these little ones unrighteously. So it is the ripple effect of our sin that also is evaluated. 
And then thirdly, and this is the one we focused on today, is the extent to which light and gospel were abused. That is the point that Jesus is making specifically about the Pharisees uh, and the Sadducees who are literally within hours going to flog him and murder him. But the point applies broadly to all of us. The increased guilt corresponds with an increased punishment from God. Now, let me give you another. This might be helpful as well, okay? It's always safe to talk about Hitler. It's also safe to talk about Judas. Because we all know of all the bad boys of the Bible, Judas leads leads the list. And why do we say that he was the ultimate bad boy? Because he had incredible privilege to walk, talk, live with Jesus. He actually preached Jesus along with the other apostles. He observed the miracles. He was there for all of it. And yet, he betrays Jesus and rejects Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And Jesus explains the horror ahead for Judas. Mark 14, he says this, For the Son of Man goes off as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. That is an ominous word from the high king and judge of humanity. Woe to him. Judas had maximum light, maximum privilege, and therefore his rejection means a maximum punishment. Again, hell is hell, okay? Hell is hell. And God's wrath is terrible. And we should only talk about this in the most somber of tones because, you know, I I remember some years ago, I made some joke about hell. And I repented of that. I never want to, trust me, one second after you see what hell is like, there'll be no laughter ever again, okay? Never again. But hell has degrees of punishment because God is fair One theologian, punishment according to deeds is possible only because the judge is to be an all-knowing and all-wise God. He will be fully aware of mitigating circumstances of every sort. No, there is no promise, as the somewhat sub-biblical song has it. He'll understand and say, well done, but rather he'll understand and see what is done is right. As everyone ought to know, uh, to break the commandments of God is wrong, but not all acts of law-breaking, though culpable, are equally blameworthy. So that in the end, friends, what we're saying is this, is that nobody in heaven or hell will say that God isn't fair. He is a just God. And as I said last week, if you end up in hell, it's your fault. If you end up in heaven, it's God's fault. That's the grace of God. God is glorified in heaven, and God is glorified in hell because both display the grandeur of his holiness his wrath, his justice, and yes, indeed, his grace, his love, and his mercy. Now think with me a moment. There will be billions of unbelievers who get the misery they deserve. There will be billions of Christians who don't get the misery we deserve, but there will only be one person who gets the misery they don't deserve, and that is Jesus. Think of it, God is fair to everyone except his own son who didn't get what he deserved 
he got what we deserved. Now, the application here should be plainly obvious. Trust in Christ and be saved. Do it today. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ because for a host of reasons, but one that I focused on today, you are accountable for the light that you've heard today. You are accountable forever. And in God's grace, he placed you today in a space where you have had the unbelievable privilege of hearing the one message, the one truth, the one person by whom and for whom your sins can be forgiven and that you can have eternal life. And the question is, what will you do with it? What will you do with it? The misery that comes by hearing and refusing to believe will take an eternity to discover. And I would urge you to turn in faith to Jesus Christ, to receive and believe him as your Lord and Savior, and I promise you, you will be saved forever. That's eternal life. Now, finally, I have a word for maybe some of you who are in the room, perhaps some of you that are watching online or listening through our media ministry. You grew up in church, or you grew up in a family where you've known about Jesus, and yet you were too cool, or you weren't concerned, or you had other things, and your life has been other things other than Jesus. But you're a little older now, and life has come at you like it comes at all of us. And maybe you've discovered a wrinkle or two that is a reminder that you are in the process of dying, just like the rest of us. You are in the category of highest accountability to God because you've heard and seen the light of the gospel. And that is the urgency that I feel in this moment is that eternity weighs in the balance and your eternity hangs in the balance and that eternity is one breath away. And so may this message be a warning and also a message of grace that if you trust in Christ as your savior, your eternity will not be misery, it will be majesty. It will not be eternal burden, it will be eternal blessing. It will not be darkness forever, but the beautiful blazing light of eternal life with God forever. Which will it be for you? That's a challenging message from Pastor Steve DeWitt here on The Journey, as he concludes a message titled, More Light, More Liability. If you missed part one or you'd like to hear today's message again, visit thejourney.fm. That's where you can also find our complete message archive, send us an email, access relevant studies, or connect with our online community. Again, that's thejourney.fm. Well, here at The Journey, our mission is to guide you in your faith journey to the eternal truth of God's Word. That's why each day on the radio and web, we take our listeners into the depths of Scripture while making God's truth easy to understand and applicable to daily life. But as a listener-supported program, we couldn't do it without you. The journey relies in part on the financial gifts of generous friends like you, which allow us to share the truth of the gospel with listeners all around the country. So would you join hands with us in our mission today? You can call 
Journey. That's 844-756-8763. Or give online at thejourney.fm. And when you give, we'll say thanks by sending you The Upper Room by John MacArthur. During the final hours before Jesus' betrayal, Jesus gave his disciples and all believers throughout history his parting promises. The Upper Room encapsulates the essence of Christ's last will and testament, preserving the timeless words that bring us comfort and assurance. In this book, you'll discover that these promises are not confined to a particular moment in history. They transcend time and are the rightful inheritance of every believer, including you. And you can request your copy by calling 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or visit thejourney.fm. I'm Tim Svoboda, inviting you to join us tomorrow for a comforting message all about the Comforter. Hear a message titled, The Holy Helper, Friday on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.